Welcome to Wealth Builders Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Marcus Cron. We interview experts so you can understand all aspects of real estate investing. Whether you're a passive investor or an experienced syndicator, this podcast can guide you on your journey of building wealth through real estate. If you want to get in touch with me directly to learn more about real estate or to see all of the available podcast episodes and show notes, visit my website, marcuscron.com. Hey guys, Marcus Cron here. Welcome to Wealth Builders Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I'm joined by Abel Pacheco, who has had some amazing success scaling up a large multifamily portfolio in a really short period of time. So you definitely want to listen in and learn how he accomplished this. So Abel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Marcus, for having me. I, I appreciate it. No problem at all. Always a pleasure having on guys that are crushing it in the real estate world and excited to learn more about you because I've kind of seen your name popping up all over the place. And I know you're doing some exciting things, got a podcast going and, and yeah, just really want to dig into that a little bit more. So give you a brief intro here, a little bit about Abel. Him and his wife have been investing in real estate since 2008. He's invested in $93 million in commercial real estate is 865 doors across five multifamily apartment complexes. So he's GP and principal in approximately 400 of those and an LP and passive investor in, in around 400 as well. So yeah, it sounds like you got some great things going on. So Abel, could you talk a little bit more about yourself, You know what you're currently working on and, and just a little bit of the backstory, how you got here? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. And thank you very much for having me. And I know how much time, effort and energy it takes to like give back to your listeners, your network by doing this podcast and editing videos and show notes. And I fully appreciate now how much goes into it. So, man, uh, if, uh, if, you, if you guys are listening to Marcus now, make sure to get into his world and tell him thank you. Uh, all that five-star review and ratings and stuff, because it takes a lot of effort to give back uh, the way he does. So thank you, man. No problem. Yeah. A little bit about me. So I am, uh, I grew up in Corpus Christi, Texas. I grew up near the beach. And I moved over to San Antonio, so near the Alamo, if you're not familiar with Texas. And um, that's where I've spent half of my uh, uh, adult life here in San Antonio and my, my younger years uh, near the beach, right? And so I'm married, a couple kids, um, beautiful wife, uh, Leslie, and uh, our two, we have two little ones. We were married for a number of years, like almost 10, before we had our little ones. I have two and a half year old, little girl, and a one and a half uh, one year old son. So boy and a girl, super awesome. And, uh, that's, that's our family. And, uh, uh, that's a lot about me. That's my motivation. That's my why that's kind of why I do everything that I do. And, uh, then, you know, outside of that, it's, uh, uh, encompassing overall that every, everything I do is for the Lord. So that's, that's more about me personally. And for my per my professional career, uh, man, I I've been in it sales as one form or another, IT salesperson, uh, entry level to mid level to senior enterprise class to a director of, and we had a lot of success in my professional career. We had a, a 10x run. We went from five million dollars in acquisition sales in a year to like fifteen or twenty or thirty, and then like fifty-seven uh, over a six-year period. So we had a lot of success, and all through the while, I invested in real estate. So I've been a real estate investor for 12 years. Uh, we started single family properties for 10 years. And then the past several, uh, now we're in commercial real estate. And as you mentioned, we're in, invested in you know, passively and actively. And uh, the 800 you know, some odd doors 
is uh, it's a big number, $93 million. But it, once you start to break it down, you realize, wow, in multifamily, it's much easier to leverage other people's knowledge, other people's time, other people's experience, and go along for an amazing ride while you're learning at the same time. And that's pretty much what I did. That's how I you know, kind of built that. I went from eight to 800 doors in like two years. And it was really, you know, leveraging other expertise, other, other models, and uh, just trying to, you know, hit, hitch my horse to the right cart. And that's kind of what I did. So that's uh, about me. Um, you asked me about today. Today, I am a full-time commercial real estate. So I've left the uh, professional, world, uh, professional IT sales world. And now I help investors invest in apartment complexes. So I help uh, either high W-2 earners or uh, high net worth individuals, you know, people that are looking to put their money to work, get a good return, have a secure, you know, uh, secure investment, give them some tax, uh, tax breaks or tax, you know, reduce their W-2 income, taxable income, and um, have some cash flow. So that's kind of how I do it. And um, you mentioned podcasts. So yes, uh, we've done a number of shows and that'll be releasing, you know, uh, probably by the, maybe by the time this airs and then uh, wrote our first ebook during COVID time. So it took a little bit of time and put an investor's handbook together for passive investing. So I'll, I'll put that in the show notes that you have as well. I'll put the links to that. And you, I'll, I'll give your listeners a free copy as well. And then, uh, yeah, man, just, tr- we, we have a couple hundred more units under contract now and excited. So that that's today. Yeah. So positive. You got some cool things on, on the go and look like you're just continually scaling and growing and, and you've accomplished a lot. Right. So talk about that transition. I mean, you were, you were doing single family for a while and I mean, you've been investing for a period of time, but then you kind of made that switch and maybe it was a light bulb that kind of triggered like, Hey, multifamily is going to be the better place for my capital and, and leverage other people's knowledge, experience, capital, all those different things. Talk about that transition. How'd you make that jump? Yeah, it was, uh, for the most part, now that I look back on it, there's technical things that you need. You have, to, you have to have some education. You have to have the tactics and the strategies. But there's another half, or probably 70 or 80% or even 90, who knows? Uh, everybody's different here. But it was my own limiting beliefs that discouraged me from the time that I was 25 till the time that I was 38. And that limiting belief told me that I could not buy commercial real estate. It was not for you, Abel, is the really the, the biggest thing that I had to overcome. Um, once I got past that, then it was, oh man, this is, uh, yeah, let me learn the tactics and the strategies. And the tactics and the strategies are... Oh man, they're, they're so awesome because it's a repeatable, systematic approach that if you could literally outline, it, it wouldn't be the shortest list of the world, but you can list all the steps and really get after it. Every deal is going to be a little different, obviously, but you can take the same systematic approach, the same playbook, if you would, apply it to every single deal you're looking at. And as long as you follow all the steps, top to bottom, you can go create some massive net worth, some massive uh, amounts of you know equity and properties, and bring or help a lot of other people along for a great ride. And so, 
you know, that that transition was a long time coming. I, I read a, it's a Ken McElroy book. It's called the ABCs of real estate investing. I don't know if you've heard of that yeah. one, Marcus. Yeah. The, in the rich dad series. That's a great book for sure. It was rich dad and poor dad for me first. Like a lot of people, if you haven't read that one, you absolutely need to go read it. The second one that I read was ABCs of real estate investing. And I, just like the title said, oh, ABCs, this is where I need to start. I was 25, read that book, you know, front to back. And it, well, as soon as I you know, was going through it, I'm expecting to see how to buy my first house, my first single family house. This is the ABCs of investing. And it was the whole entire book was talking about buying $10 million properties. And it was easier to get a loan on a $10 million deal than it was to get on, on a, on a million dollar single family property. And even though I read the book cover to cover, took notes, highlighted it, I still have it on the, on my, my bookshelf. I started cracking it open this year and I'm like, Oh dude, these are the, these are the systematic steps and strategies and tactics that I should have taken, but I didn't because my limiting beliefs wouldn't allow me to, you know, to even think that uh, just an everyday guy like me could buy a $10 million deal. And that's the biggest hurdle that I think when I talk to investors today, whether they're passive or active, uh, whether they want to go lead a deal or whether they want to invest passively, you know, you've got to get out of your own head for a moment and just observe and, and orient yourself, make a, make a decision and then act, you got to do that. Otherwise, you, you'll, you'll never make forward progress in commercial real estate. Yeah. And I think that it's just a misperception and maybe like a, just not enough education out there, which I mean, we're feeling a gap in the market by just putting out content like this and educating people about it. But I mean, really, it is everyday people that can own and control commercial multifamily real estate, right? These big properties, right? Because you look at an apartment down the street, like it's not always going to be like, oh, one guy owns that or one girl, woman owns that, right? Like it's going to be for the most part, like it's a team effort, right? Like it, there's syndications, there's funds, there's different vehicles that are going to buy these properties, right? And that limiting belief where it's like you looking at it from your perspective of like, oh, I can't just go and buy that. Like, how am I going to go buy a $15 million asset like by myself? It just couldn't make sense. But I mean, when you actually look at the clues, like, from that book that you read, ABCs of real estate and, and following that framework, right? Like it's, it's a model that is really like, yeah, it works. And if you just follow the clues and follow those systems, like there is a lot of potential from the active side, from the passive side, and really get those larger scale benefits of investing in real estate, right? There's so many advantages to it. So talk about the, you crack that limiting belief, you realized you could do it, you know, was it books? Was it other means of education? How did you actually get you know, the core understanding of to take down yeah. that first deal and really jump in full, full yeah. on to get educated. Yeah, I will answer. Uh, I'll absolutely let me hit on it. And I'm going to answer a question that I always get asked because I think it's pertinent or it's, it's well, you know, anyways, the question is like, Hey, if you had to start over again, would you start with single family the way you did it for 10 years, buy those eight properties, do eight in a year. I did. It took me 10 years to buy eight and then in our last year, we did eight in one year. And then I went to commercial. And uh, the, the short answer is, man, I'm looking back at my 25-year-old self. There was no social network back then. It was like MySpace hadn't even started, much less Facebook or LinkedIn. There was no podcast back then. 
and there wasn't the readily available amount of information and education that people could get for free back then, right? So I, you know, I would absolutely have to say, man, if I did it again, I would probably be starting in single family again because I didn't, I, it was no way for me to overcome that belief because I hadn't heard, you know, 10, 150 other people talk about how to do it, just this one book. Today, there's, there's a, prolifer- a proliferation of podcasts and information and education out there. Um, and, you know, you can go get that information free. It doesn't cost anything. You got to drive to work, drive back. You have, uh, at, at my house, I'm like, man, I'm in the backyard picking up dog poop, which is kind of a bummer. But I'm like, well, this is one of the most valuable hours of my day, right? Because I have my podcast in and my earbuds. I'm trying to wash dishes and help around the house and do those normal things. I'm like, man, this is a very valuable hour because you can turn it into education source. I would say, uh, that's also my advice on people that have money and don't have money. So this, this is, this is the kind of tug of war, right? If you don't have money and you're trying to figure out how to get this education podcast, get the $10 books, get 10 of them. That's a hundred bucks to well, or, or, you know, maybe $200 or more expensive, but there's well worth it. Get on some podcasts, you know, go to LinkedIn, pick up some information, then pick up the phone we all do these podcasts for a reason. We're trying to get some exposure. I want to meet with you. If you're a potential investor, I'd like you to reach out to me. I don't know if you, you kind of quite got that or not. Same with Marcus. Like Marcus wants a call too. He'll spend some time with you. Um, so anyways, you go do that and that doesn't really cost you any money. It costs you time, right? There is a time value of money, but if you don't have money today, you have time and you need to put that time to work and you need to go invest in yourself and get that education as much of it as possible and as free sources. If you have money, then you probably have less time. And if you have less time because your time is worth more now, you've made some money, you're in a professional career, you've got your W-2, it's paying you well, you've got some good investments, then you need to, you know, kind of, you know, forgive my language, uh, not language, but just my, my euphemism, whatever. It's like, man, stop monkeying around with your freaking time. And you're, you're consuming all these podcasts because you're, it's, it's probably more of a limiting belief type of mindset. I need to get all the data before I move forward. And unless I have all the data, I can't invest my hundred grand when, you know, you may have a million, two million, $5 million dollars. Uh, well, I'll talk to the one to $2 million investor, right? The one to $2 million investor took you a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy to probably obtain it. And so I don't want to lose that. I've got to get enough education to go out there. Uh, that person or individual, I would highly recommend you pay 15, 20 grand, go join a course, join a program um, and you know, pay for a mentor, pay for a coach, uh, you have to qualify your investment the same way you're doing for your multifamily. Don't, don't just spend money with whatever program, like, you know, peek under the covers, ask for referrals, set up time to talk with them, make sure it's the right program or course, make sure that they're a mentor that's actually doing what you want to do, validate, verify, you know, background check, all the nine, right? Everything you should be doing if you're going to spend 15 or 20 grand. I don't buy a car without, you know, test driving it and without looking at the reviews and looking online, don't spend 15 or 20K on a course that, that way either, right? So anyways, you have some cash, invest it because it's going to take you 100 hours to find an hour's worth or 
10 hours worth of nuggets in those podcasts. So if you have enough, you're going to fast forward. Like, here's the end of the book, man. This is how you win. Here's your shortcut. Here's your, um, you know, the, the, the cheat code uh, that I've heard some other, uh, other investors, one of my buddies, Will Crozier, say, here's the cheat code to go win. It's this, and you, you'll get that, and it's worth your 15 to 20K worth of time instead of having to consume hundreds of hours of information. Because you listen to a 45-minute podcast, and we're going to get four or five nuggets and maybe, you know, that's a couple minutes worth of info. They're great, but it just consider the amount of time that it took you, which is why if you don't have money, you need to invest time. Vice versa, if you have money, you need to hit the fast forward button and get it and get it quickly. And then uh, outside of that, man, everything education wise, it's back to the limiting belief. If you don't go do something with the education, I forgot who said it, maybe Rod Cleef or something, but it was like education without actions, entertainment. And, you know, if you want to go pay to entertain yourself, great. There's cheaper ways to go <laughs> educate yourself. But, but anyways, to entertain yourself. And if you want to put the education in action and go do, like you have to get out there. And I don't mean spend $10 million and go buy an apartment complex on your first action. The first action could be like, let me call another general partner. Let me call a potential, you know, friend that, you know, maybe they want to invest in the future. Let me go call a broker. Let me strike up a relationship. Let me go do some market analysis on a market. Let me go go to LoopNet and find a deal that's that I don't have to talk to anybody if you're concerned about talking to people that has an OM, they've got some rent rolls, they've got some T12s, get your, you know, calculator, you know, oh yeah, action, I got to go buy a calculator, an underwriting calculator. There's many multiple different ones couple hundred bucks, go buy it, stick it in the rent roll and the T12, and then, you know, go analyze a property. Like it doesn't have to be your first action is go buy the deal. Your first action is a lot of small actions that lead up to the big dance, but you got to get ready for the dance. Like (laughs) if you're not ready, you're not going to go. So anyways, that would be my advice, sir. Yeah, that's some great advice. And, you know, a lot of gold nuggets that came out of that, right? Like it really is comes down to the educational aspect of it. And you hear people talk about the take massive action, right? And yeah, you can do that. And, but really it is that regular consistent action, right? It's not just like, oh, I'm going to, I'm excited about real estate. I'm going to do, you know, make 500 <laughs> calls over a course of a week or try to learn everything and consume hundreds of hours or read books like nonstop, right? It's like, okay, you learn and you implement, right? And you're taking, I'm referencing back to that book, The Compound Effect. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's like that every single day, make making consistent action and how that compounds and grows over time, kind of like nice. the compound effect of like interest, right? Like you're saving money and it just grows oh, yeah. and, and magnifies over time. But if you're taking like regular consistent action, even on the educational standpoint, right? Like say, say you want to learn about real estate and you're like, you're an active investor, you're a passive investor. You're like, Hey, I want to know I'm a busy professional, but I want to know about how can I put my money to work while I'm at work, right? Like while I'm making my high income from my job, right? And it's kind of like saying, well, I want to know about real estate to be informed about the benefits of it, but also understand the, the upside, the downside, the, the risk, the returns, like all the different aspects of it so I can make an informed decision, right? So say it's, I've heard this concept, like the mobile university in your car, right? Like you can turn your, your car into a university where it's like, say if you did 20 minutes a day where you're on your commute or whatever, and you, you listen to something educational, right? You can turn, turn that over time, all that time added up over a course of a year, right? Like 
I heard somebody break it down at one point where it's like, if you took your driving around time and did something educational, you can have like a master's degree in the course of like a couple of years or multiple years on a certain topic, right? By just learning about it while you're driving, right? And it's those regular consistent actions and then actually applying it to be like, oh, understand talking to brokers or, or talking to sponsors and learning how to underwrite a deal, different things like that. You're just doing little chunks at a time and, and that sort of thing. And, and it really applies to both the active side and the passive side, right? Because you really want to understand what you're getting yourself into. And, and that's where it comes into the, the sponsor, the active general partner on a deal to really know everything about a deal before they, they put it together, right? They, they have to have that deep understanding. But on the passive side, I mean, you can have, you know, not, you don't need to know every single thing. You don't need to know how to underwrite a full deal to like the extent of what a, a sponsor might do, but it really is, you have to have that understanding to, to know, hey, what, why real estate, first of all, what markets, what sponsors, all those different aspects that really add up to like, yeah, making you a good investor, right? So Moving on now a little bit. I swear I rambled a little bit there, but it's kind of okay. It was good. All that was good. Good nuggets too. I mean, that's that's great. Yeah, and you kind of struck a chord with me on the education because I'm a big advocate of it as well. And I think I'd put it this way: the best investment you can make is in yourself. I've heard that quote before. Maybe even put that before real estate because you got to get educated before you can really understand the benefits of real estate. So there you go. That's a that's a nugget right there. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah, I I joined you know in the uh, transparency of things, right? I joined like five programs in a, you know, year and a half to two year kind of uh, length of time. Uh, Pre-COVID, obviously, I I went to like 13 to 14 different cities, uh, all their (laughs) conferences I could. I have probably about 200 hours like of logged hours going through these, you know, courses and, you know, seminars and like time uh, learning about it. And, you know, I think, not even counting podcast hours. I don't know how many of those I've consumed, but it, it, that's the fast forward button. It could have taken me 10 years to do that. Uh, or I, you could squeeze it in a freaking year and a half and, and grind. Right. And uh, I, I don't recommend that without talking to your wife, if you're married uh, or you know family first, make sure you have buy-in. That's what I did. We had buy-in first with my family and this is what I was going to do. If you're single and you're young, man, dude, you can, you can go grind. Uh, so guy or gal, you know, you're not, you're not married down, but anyways, the, yeah, good, good points, man. Yeah. And even that additional point you added there, like really having buy-in from the family, like you're going to look crazy of like, what, what are you doing? Right? Like, yeah, you're crazy, but no, you've got to just kind of show, Hey, this is, this is real estate. Like this is the benefits of it. And really be on the same page. And that's, that's so true. So talk a little bit about the target markets that you're kind of looking at. I, I think you're only in one market currently that you, you like and you focus on. Could you talk a little bit about where that is and, and why you like it? Sure. Well, so I'm actually in two, uh, Texas and New Mexico, but the majority of my holdings, everything is pretty much, you know, invested in, uh, Texas, South Texas. We have, um, you know, we, we like the Texas market. One, I live here. Uh, I grew up in Corpus Christi, which is about two and a half hours south of San Antonio. Um, San Antonio is a nice uh, market for us. A lot of population growth, a lot of diverse uh, uh, employers, a lot of diverse in you know in different industries, uh, growing tech industry, a big medical center, big medical field, and. Uh, there's, you know, some of the oil spots, some of the biggest employers uh, in the country are here in, in, you know, Texas. And 
you know, there's a lot of great mechanics of the market that work out really, really well from population growth uh, to consistent growth to median income, quality of life, and uh, lots, lots of good land. <laughs> so we're not, we're not densely populated in most areas. Uh, unless you're in DFW, then you're like the fourth largest metro in the freaking country. But outside of that, you're like, oh, this is, you know, there's, there is a lot of room and sprawl and, and uh, it affords us a really great market. So the deals that we're in, uh, you know, the 865 doors ish is, is like all pretty much all San Antonio at this point. Uh, the two, you know, the two deals that we have that we're going after under contract, you know, we've got a deal just outside of Dallas is another market and another, and outside of McAllen, Texas, which is South. Um, so excited about those. And, uh, we like the Texas market. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And how do you kind of stay up to date when, I mean, markets shift, there's changes and trends, like there's population growth, there's decline, there's different things that are always ebbing and flowing. Right. So to kind of talk about how you might stay up to date on the high level trends that might be important to where you're looking, what type of markets and submarkets that really kind of strike a chord with an area that would make a good investment. Yeah, maybe a, a couple things, right? One, for my focus on Texas, that's probably one of the main reasons that I focus on one state and one market primarily. The reason I'm in New Mexico is because I have partners that are doing that there. The, mo- the majority of all the team is local there and they stay up on that market. So I know like, oh, they've got it taken care of. For me in Texas, I'm, you know, I only have to look at one state. I'm not in all the states either. So I'm in like South Texas. So it's even easier for me to stay focused on this one spot, one chunk of the area, as opposed to many multiple states or bigger area. So it affords me the opportunity to like look at my submarkets and pretty much look at the same type of data all the time it did uh and and i think that's you know that's important to kind of think about as opposed to hey i'm looking in 10 different markets and 10 different sub markets and m- many multiple classes of commercial real estate which is kind of why i also focus on multifamily as an asset class because if i'm looking at some other types of commercial properties even that are two are two different mechanics that I've got to start looking at for uh, for, for the the market demographics for my property or supply and demand in that spot. So uh, that's kind of my quote unquote secret, which is not a secret at all. It's just a matter of focus, and it's easier for me to to, to you know to keep my grasp on those market demographics that I'm looking for. But the uh, other nugget I'll say is if you are in those you know, you are in the position of looking at many multiple park uh, markets, then you have to leverage the expertise in that market. Like don't try to become an expert on 10 different markets, which will lead you to, you know, 20 or 30 different sub markets within your market, two or three sub markets within each city, state, whatever, like you then become a generalist and you're no longer an expert. And I found that the experts are the ones that will help you make the most in commercial real estate anyways. And so uh, don't, you know, don't try to be an expert, rather go network to make sure you know the experts in the area, people that can summarize 
their hundred hours of knowledge and education or insight in this particular submarket. And I'm, I'm, I'm on a phone call and they're trying to summarize this stuff in like an hour, which was an extremely valuable call if the expert knows uh, or just spent a hundred hours there. So that would be my advice for people that are expanding outside uh, is leverage your expert in that market. It's better to know that. And you're still going to go to CoStar. You know, you're still going to go to citydata.com. You're still going to go to the U S labor of statistics, um, which are all good ones. Uh, I've heard it more than a few times on the podcast. Now U-Haul, you can, you know, go to see there, you know, where all the trucks are leaving uh, from where to where. Uh, another good website I heard was um, howmoneywalks.com. Uh, if you go check out How Money Walks and explore the data, you can literally see green and red where billions of dollars in a state's economy are leaving and entering a new, new market. So you can kind of get a high level broad picture, then start to, you know, nail down on mechanics of, your market and sub-market. So that's kind of, uh, you know, maybe a little little bit of insight there for those individuals that are trying to figure it out. Yeah, that's some great insight, just really having the focus and and knowing particular markets and just really not trying to spread yourself too thin, but becoming an expert. Because you said there's so many things and moving pieces with a particular market, right? That you can't be an expert in every single one, right? And if you try to do too much, you're going to spread yourself too thin and kind of lose focus and and I mean, even to the next point here, I'm going to make about like finding deals, right? Like if you have too many markets, like how are you going to be able to have all that steady deal flow in that market and really know and be able to analyze it quickly because it comes down to relationships in that market to be able to get that deal flow. Could you kind of talk about how you and your partners and you guys are sourcing your deals, like what you're kind of seeing and how you're generating those good deals that kind of fit within your criteria? Yeah. uh, For for me, it's really simple. So uh, I use brokers and I, I am, you know, I would say for the most part, I'm the recipient or the benefit beneficiary of other people's expertise and knowledge and their own kind of like exactly what we're talking about, except they have some expertise in a certain market and they're in deal flow, right? So I am not in deal flow. I, I don't really spend a ton of time, uh, I, that, needs to change for my future or for anybody listening, but uh, don't, don't just say, Oh, Abel doesn't do that. You don't need to No, That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I'm a beneficiary of like having really great partners that are already in the deal flow. And, you know, because of their track record and experience, they get offered some op- great opportunities and I'm one of the partners and uh, thankful there that, uh, that I have good people that know, like, and trust me. And then uh, we go, we go work together. And so uh, I think that's probably you know, the, the short answer for me is, uh, is, is that now for, for anybody else that's like, they're trying to source some, uh, I, I did, uh, wholesaling or off market properties in single family. Uh, the difference between my 10 years, I kind of mentioned, I bought eight single family properties. I bought and held, I was, a, I was a landlord. I was a renter, uh, landlord, yeah, whatever you call it. I held properties to rent, right? Uh, but in my last year before I switched to commercial, we tried wholesaling. I did eight, pro- I did eight deals in one, in one year, right? I doubled the amount of properties. We bought some, we flipped them, you know, renovated them, moved them. And I did a lot of off-market, you know, activities. 
And I realized, man, it's a freaking grind, a real big grind. You got to spend a lot of money to market. You got to be able to do it. Um, and then consistently answer phone calls, go check out opportunities, doing a lot of analysis. So it helped me on the number side. It, <laughs> it helped me analyze a property, kind of all the stuff we were talking about, like, you know, okay, let's, let's make sure I analyze the property and make sure it's good. So I knew what was there. However, very little translated to the commercial hundred unit plus multifamily syndication. So a lot of those efforts, you know, went to not. Now I do have a buddy, a friend of mine, and he absolutely crushes off market. Um, I mean, crushes it. And he applied uh, a system where he was doing like, I don't know, a hundred wholesale deals or a hundred flips, a hundred buys in a year. And he didn't even keep track of his wholesales, right? All of those were sourced off market. He turned off that business completely. He said he, he went cold turkey. This is my buddy, Javier Inojo. He, he went cold turkey, turned it off, and applied all of his expertise and knowledge to multifamily properties. And he, he spent a sick amount on the single family, and he spends an even sicker amount on the multifamily. Like every month, uh, one of my podcasts, he talks about it. But I, I want to say he spent like... Sixty or ninety thousand dollars in a ten-month period to do marketing, right? So I spend sixty to ninety grand. So it, it wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna you know cold call somebody on my own. He spent a ton of money and he built a company, the system, and did it. And then he found a deal, you know, with like two million dollars equity, right? He crushed it. <laughs> but the majority of people are not gonna do that to source a deal, which is why. You know, if you if you use the system, you know, use the brokers and try to get in the relationship or partner with someone who's in deal flow, you probably have a much better track record. You know, unless you want to just go go after it like he did, and then you know, ten million, two million dollars later, the ninety k investment was worth it, right? It's just so it's up to you there, right? And what are some of your high level criteria? What you're looking for on the properties, right? Like, I mean, I know you've kind of mentioned hundred plus units. Is there kind of like a range, like? 150 to 200, age of the property, number of units, or yeah, just different kind of criteria that kind of fit within your high level criteria that would be like, this is a property we're going to look at, we're going to potentially underwrite. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So definitely looking for, you know, that sub market with decent schools, decent uh, median income, decent population. Um, I'm looking for that submarket first as the as the bigger high level criteria, right? I want to put together a filter in advance before I even have to like look at the individual property. And properties, yeah, 85 plus units. Um, I'm trying to st- stick in that number. Uh, personally, I you know not really in a position on my own to take down 250, 300 units. My partners are, and I would probably join a deal with them, but it, it's their filter. They're, they're looking through something different. On the flip side, it's like for me, oh, okay, yeah, the 85, 100, 150. Um, and that's mainly just out of like deal size. Could I raise enough capital to go do this deal on my own? And if your answer is no, that gets cut out of your filter, right? It's like, I'm not even going to look at that because I'm just going to waste my time spinning cycles on something that actually couldn't close. So when I look at the, the top down, you know, uh, you're trying to find a filter, you're trying to put together your uh, definition of market, sub market, population, 
median income, and then, you know, even literally get a map. Um, you know, I've heard a few others talk about this, and it, it really does help getting something on the wall, you know, circling those areas and saying, this is the spot that I want to look in. When you share with brokers, you can actually say, I'm looking for this type of property in this area. Uh, if you don't do that and you talk to a broker and you're saying, I want hundred units plus, it's kind of like going to, you know, a uh, realist, uh, like an Emma, uh, single family broker and saying, I'd like to buy a three bedroom, two bathroom house for 120 grand, please. And they're like, or I'm in te- San Antonio, Texas, was probably a uh, 175k, right? But I'd like to buy this house, and they're like, okay, where do you want to buy it? <laughs> in a good neighborhood, okay, which area of town? You know, and you have to do the same on a multifamily property. It will really help you get specific on what you're looking for, and um, that specificity is your filter first. And then the next part, I kind of mentioned some of these numbers, right? But 85 units plus. Why? Because I have enough, at least income, to afford professional property management. 60, 50 units, probably going to be hard for me to find somebody with quality uh, experience and professionalism that can run it right. And I'm I'm not going to go out and sign leases myself. I know some other people are, are different and they do. I'm not. Uh, so that's where I try to find a, an asset big enough that can afford professional property management. 85, 100 units or more is, is definitely ideal. And then um, I want some value add. Uh, when people say uh, like yield play, hey, I'm looking for a yield play deal, a nice asset that I don't have to do heavy lift. Uh, it's, you know, it's could be conceived as a little riskier. Um, riskier being you don't have any way to uh, force the appreciation. So you're hoping for market rents to increase. And that's the way you're going to, you know, build your business plan on. You know, I, I want a value add where I know, just like a flip house back in, you know, when we did it is I want to force the appreciation up by work that I do and I control. And that usually leads to interior unit upgrades, some exterior, you know, maintenance, some CapEx stuff. And um, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, crazy, crazy on like deep, deep value add bridge loan, bridge debt, that kind of stuff. I've, I, we just went full cycle on a deal that did that. Uh, but I wasn't the expert running the deal. So I'm like, well, it was much easier to, to join another team that had the expertise and we can, we can all work together on it. Uh, you know, or sorry, we, we can all leverage off of the expertise and guidance that they're providing. But uh, anyway, so writing that value add, probably not the war zone property either for me, not a D uh, property. So does that help a little bit? Yeah, that, that's great. Like it's a lot of feedback there and, and really like the, the aspect that you're kind of bringing up there about how you can actually control something like when you do a value add, like you can control the potential appreciation, right? Like you're not just banking on market rents to go up or natural appreciation. You're, you're really putting in the work as the operator, right? The experience to basically say, Hey, we know if we're going to input this type of work into the property, right? Improve the operations, do some renovations. You can really force some value add that can be realized when you increase the rents or when you look to sell, because you've, increase that NOI, the net operating income on the property, which another big benefit of multifamily in general is just that it's really valued on the income that it generates and not in single family where it's really kind of on a comparable basis, right? So if you force that net operating income up and then you sell it at a a cap rate, a going cap rate in the market, you can realize a whole bunch of appreciation and profit on the back end because you put in the work. And that's just the great thing about multifamily in particular. So 
actually want to start wrapping it up here and, and take it into the final four questions here. And I know I didn't prep you for this at all, but we'll see, see what you got off the top of your head. So it's the fire round here. What is your favorite real estate or business book? My business book, one of the favorite ones is Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Probably one of my most read and reread books in my 20 plus years of reading books. <laughs> and that's because I didn't read much in high school or college. I was out like, how did I get through college? Oh man, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for I took some notes and I barely squeaked by. Uh, but I mean, I really started hitting self improvement books heavily, uh, probably right around my 20s. And in the last 20 years, that's probably my most read and reread book. Yeah, that's a fantastic one. Really sets the foundation for working with people, building relationships, and, and is really crucial to any type of business, right? So it applies to both personal and business. And definitely. your relationship will improve with your wife, your children, your friends, coworkers. Like it's, it's basically the, the lube or the around all the, the, the gears that are interhuman relationships. So it's, it's really good. Yeah, it's a timeless book for sure. So what is one thing you wish you knew when you got started in real estate investing? So I would say I knew it because I read that book. <laughs> I read the ABCs of real estate investing. And I knew from that knowledge that I actually didn't need $10 million to go buy a $10 million deal. I wish I like knew or I wish I believed that. <laughs> I just, I didn't, you know, and, and that's, you know, oh, maybe, maybe to answer the question specifically, it's, yeah, I could probably say, I wish I had the right partners or right people that were already doing that, that I could just learn from. So I wish I knew those people <laughs> that were already doing it, that I could shake their hands and realize that they're everyday, normal, average people, just like me. And I could have gone and did, did that. So that, that's maybe that's who I wish I would have knew. No, uh, known. Yeah. Yeah, it's the value of the team, right? Partnerships and, and leveraging yeah. people's experience, knowledge, and wisdom, right? So next thing here, what's a daily habit that helps you be successful in real estate? Well, the phone calls and the networking is probably the biggest area of success for me. It is my probably one of the best shortcuts that I could have ever imagined, which is just having the either, I don't know what it is uh, to be able to remove from your mind to say, it's okay how big they are or how well known they are or how well, whatever, just remove that for a moment and just give them a call, LinkedIn message, reach out to them. They may not answer you, but that's okay. Uh, maybe not now, but maybe in three months and six months and a year, you'll have developed a little bit of a relationship, but uh, via your one-sided conversation, but just having the confidence to go and like network with someone uh, I, I, the deal didn't happen, but it was really because of COVID and this particular one example, uh, deal fell through because of COVID. However, it was a 400 unit deal and it, it came from like a Facebook, me pinging someone and they're like, Hey, you're from that area. I know you kind of this and that. Hey man, have you ever thought about joining? I'm like, Yes. Absolutely. 100%. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny because that's the power of networking, like just remove any blinders or, or put the blinders on rather with your position and their position. Just give someone a call, man. And, and uh, that networking is so valuable. It's, it's been amazing. Definitely great advice. So what do you like to do for fun? 
more than a few things. Hang out with my family is probably the biggest one. So my little girl just melts my heart. I wanted I wanted a one year old. Oh, I'm sorry, one year old. I wanted a boy. My one year old son. Now uh, my two and a half year old daughter came first, but I really wanted a boy more than anything. And my daughter came. And as soon as my daughter, you know, I'm just as soon as I held held her in my arms, I'm like, oh my gosh, my heart melts. And I'm so glad I had my daughter first. Uh, and then now I have my son and I'm like, oh, now all over again, but my family is probably the most, uh, you know, the most of my time. And then love church, love my extended family. Uh, a little do, I do a little bit of, sh- uh, or used to before COVID a little bit of competitive shooting as well. So this is what I do for fun. Amazing. Yeah. That aspect of your daughter melting your heart, right? Like I, I mean, I had a son first, right. And I, this is about four, four and a half months old now. So it's kind of fresh in my mind, but like just that feeling when you kind of see him for the first time and get to hold him and like, it's just overwhelming. It's just, it's just amazing. Like you can't describe it until you, you experience that, but uh, yeah, congrats. Yeah. yeah, yeah thanks congrats. again. So last thing here, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Go to my website. It's probably the easiest way. It's five T C R E.com. That's five T C R E.com. Um, there is, you know, a number of different, you know, items on my, on our website, uh, I talked about the ebook that we wrote, just investors handbook to passive multifamily investing. Uh, you can go to, you know, my website, 5tcre.com forward slash ebook, and I'll, you know, get you a free copy on our education tab. There's, you know, I try to put all the podcast interviews that we've done. We do webinars every couple of weeks, a lot of information there. And then lastly, just, you know, go to that. There's a tab that's a invest tab, fill out the information, uh, put your goals in there. I'll set up a time. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Uh, I meet with brand new investors that have never, you know, even thought about real estate investing. They're just trying to figure out real estate. And then I talk with like, you know, some some pretty uh, some pretty well to do, you know, multifamily multi multi millionaires. Uh, and so I've got a lot of insights for you know, no matter where you are in, in your uh, career. Great, yeah, great advice and great a lot of options to kind of get in touch and learn more about you and, and learn from your education. So Abel, it was a pleasure, man. It was, it was awesome having you on the show and letting you share your insight and all your wisdom. So thanks again. All right, brother. Thank you very much, Marcus. Good, good to have you. Uh, good to you know join the show and thanks for having me. No problem. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. If you want to get in touch with me directly to learn more about real estate or to see all of the available podcast episodes and show notes, visit my website, marcuscron.com. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. If you enjoy the podcast or if it provides value in any way, make sure to leave a five-star review. This helps the show attract top quality guests who will be able to provide even more insight into how you can build wealth through real estate. Talk to you next time.